Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. All right. Well, three pretty uh, big time struggles that we see in people's lives. Uh, We're talking about the Kingdom Tapestry. Hope you had an amazing day today. We started our first night talking about the design with the designer. We're talking about the Kingdom Tapestry in our place and how we fit into it. And we established on night one that God is the ultimate orchestrator and creator of this interconnectedness that we all get to experience. It's part of the tapestry, as you know. We established that God created all the heavens and all the earths and everything that we see, and he created you. He created you in his image. He created us as image bearers of the Most High God. So tonight, when you uh, finally somehow go to wherever your you know cabin is or whatever, and you're brushing your teeth tonight, see what I did there? Like when you're brushing, it's day three, you ought to brush your teeth today, all right? So when you're brushing your teeth tonight, and you look in the mirror tonight, you should be brushing your teeth, and when you look in the mirror, you should say, God, you did good. All right, because you are created in his image. You are an image bearer of the most high God. Nothing else in all of creation is a member of his tapestry the way that you are. And we also established that because you are one of a kind, you are, anybody remember the word? You're what? Unique. You are valuable. You are valuable. If you're not you and beautiful, if you're not you, creation is incomplete. How many of you guys have ever at school or with your family or whatever put together a big giant like jigsaw puzzle? Maybe 500 words, 1,000 words, 800 words, like a big scene. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Have any of you ever like put together a puzzle like that where maybe your family worked on it or at school, your classroom, and maybe you worked on it for several days or a week or a couple weeks and you got to the very, very end and there was a piece of the puzzle missing. That ever happened to any of you? Like most of us, right? Well, let me tell you something. That's the way creation is without you. Like your interconnectedness is that puzzle piece that would be missing when you don't understand fully that the God of the universe created you, he loves you, he sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son here for you because you are that piece of the puzzle and you complete your family. You might complete a sports team. You complete the school that you go to. You complete like your positionality. Who God created you to be in this tapestry is vital. It's essential to him because he loves you. He loves you. As the designer, he designed you. He designed where to put you and when you would be here. That should be great news for you guys. That that should help you understand that you are not an accident. He does indeed have a plan for your life. That that his plan is perfect. A good, pleasing, and perfect plan that included redeeming you. And that's why last night we talked about the weaver. 
We talked about he's the weaver and he gives us his word. Written over 40 different authors held the pen. Over 1,500 years. Three different continents. Three different languages. And you know what that Bible's purpose is? To teach you about God and you. Like the God and that word which is woven through your place in this kingdom tapestry. And that that weaver, that he tells you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are his workmanship. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of Christ Jesus. That in all the race, that in this race, this race called life, many runners run, but you can run in such a way as to win the prize. In Hebrews, he tells us in that word that we are all running this race that's been already marked out for us. You don't have to chart it. You don't have to find it. It's marked out, and he tells us how to run. He says, focus our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scoring and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like this God created this life and this race and your puzzle piece because you matter. You matter. Everything he created, perfect. Creating you in his image with a plan. So you could probably be looking at these three sketches that we just saw, these three monologues, or you might be sitting here tonight and say, okay, KO, you could tell me God's perfect. You could tell me God has a plan, but you don't know my story. Well, you know what? You're exactly right. I don't know your exact story or your specific story, but I know his story, which is the things that we struggle with and the things that are chaotic and the chaos in our world and our culture and all that we have today are a part of what he calls the unraveling. The unraveling. See, when we talk about this metaphor of a tapestry, if you just took one single thread, which is called a weft, that's what a weft is, if you just were missing one thread in that valuable rug that we looked at, do you think we would notice one thread missing? Probably not. Would you notice this a couple, two, three, five? Probably not. But what if a big section of like a thousand threads all came unraveled or tore or had a big hole? Do you think we would notice that? Absolutely. Definitely. It would be easy to us and our naked eye to see there's this big gaping hole in this tapestry that's supposed to be worth millions and millions of dollars. And over here in the top corner is this big hole, a big crater uh, where threads are spread everywhere. It went totally chaotic. Well, that's the story of God's tapestry. God created perfection. God created us in his image. God created you perfect with a plan. He has the genetic code for you. He has a plan for your life. And in the midst of all of that chaos, something happened that unraveled God's perfect plan. And that something is called sin. The world that we live in is full of contradictory messages to the Bible. 
It's full of things that question the existence of God, the authority of God, the reality or the relevancy of the Bible, God's Word. We understand that. We know that because God's Word that was written over those 1,500 years, it explains specifically to us what happened. In fact, in Genesis 3, remember Genesis? The very first book of the Bible, the beginning. It tells us God created. God said, let there be light. And 187,000 miles per second light proceeded from the mouth of God. It tells us that he created the sun to govern the day and the moon to govern the night. It tells us that he separated the water masses and called them oceans and seas and the dry spaces and called them land. It tells us that he created all the animals that we see and Adam got to name all. It tells us everything about creation and it says it was good. And then Genesis 1, 27, 26 and 27, it says that we're created in his image. And in that image of him, humanity, all of humanity, was very good. But he also gave us instruction. God told Adam and Eve, the very first two people ever created, he said to them, if you eat from this tree in the center of garden, your eyes will be open. He specifically commanded, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Could I have one of the guys or somewhere near the front to help me just volunteer for one quick second? It's going to take like two seconds up here. Right? Okay, come on, right? What's your name? Josh. Thank you, Josh. Where are you from? Gainesville? All right, good. Well, Josh, you have a big role tonight. This is a pretty big job. You see that? I know, it's pretty impressive, pretty imposing. It? All right, so tonight in our little drama here for the, like the next, oh, 14 seconds or so, I'm going to tie this so I always make them big so it won't choke you, all right? Josh is going to be playing the role of God. You feeling powerful now? Do you like this, Josh? No, you're not do like that? All right, all right. So, all right, so Josh tonight is going to be for the next couple of minutes playing the role. I'm not going to do anything to the role of God. Raise your hand if you could tell me some of the powers, some of the characteristics, some of the things that describe Josh, what are some things that's to describe God here? Yes. Yes. Say that again. He's big. Yeah, he would need to be big for sure. Yes. Say that again. Great. All right. So God is big. Yes. Is why. Great. Yes. Vigilant. What does vigilant mean? You're exactly right. Yeah, he's watchful. God has watch. In fact, the Bible says that his eyes... The eyes of the Lord go to and fro watching those whom he created, which is you. Which is why when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they hid from God, did God know where they were hiding? Absolutely. You cannot hide from God. You can't do it in this life or the future. Another yes. Omnipotent. What does that mean? You're exactly right. What does that mean? All-powerful. It means he has all the power. The storms, the big tornadoes, all the things that you guys have been seeing. Like, that just scratches the surface on how powerful he actually is. And so, here we have God who's omnipotent, who's omniscient, who's holy, who's compassionate, who's big, who's small, who's global, who controls all, everything under his authority and under his jurisdiction. And this God 
in his kingdom tapestry made it very simple. Adam and Eve, do not eat from this tree. I need one other quick volunteer. Go ahead. Come on. It doesn't work out quite as good for you. Not quite as powerful as Josh here. All right. Okay, here we go. There we go. All right. So here is, so here's the question. Did God give Adam and Eve a very clear command, a clear instruction? Yes. Does anybody in here know what happened? Yes. Good. There was a snake, okay, the enemy, Satan, who tricked Eve and convinced her, who got Eve to question the authority of God. Now I want to say that again. In the kingdom tapestry, everything was perfect, and the enemy got Adam and Eve, humanity, mankind, to question the authority of God. Specifically said, He just created you. He's not going to kill you. You can eat from the tree. And Eve, seeing that the fruit was delightful and enticing and wanted it, Eve disobeyed the authority and the command of God and shared with her husband. And the moment that they disobeyed, the direct command, all of humanity that once was in community and in perfection with God now became separated from God. And this space right here is called sin. Sin is when we directly disobey the authority of God. God, great job. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Oh, sorry about that. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Give it up for you. So now we have a huge, big, gaping hole in the kingdom tapestry called sin. And sin affects every single one of us. When you talk about how stitching and threads in a tapestry are all woven and all interrelated, when someone else sins, it has a negative impact on you. When you sin, you have a negative impact on a friend, a parent, someone like all of our decisions now are viewed through this sin. In fact, what is sin? What are some sins that we see out there that you guys just see every day? What are some sins you see? Yes. Lies, absolutely. There's lies all around us. Well said, yes. People going in the staff bathroom. There you go, lies, yes. Fighting, people who fight and can't get along and don't choose peaceful means to settle disagreements, yes. Guilt, guilt and shame, definitely a part of what the enemy uses. Jealousy, jealousy and covetousness. Jealousy for other people, their gear, their stuff, yes. Gossip. People say intently things that are not true about someone else and furthering that. Yes. 
theft. People steal. You should not steal. So one, and that makes the top ten list, even in Exodus. Did you get one, too? Yes. Killing others. Murder. Absolutely. And anger. Yes. Say it again. Hating. Hating others. Okay? Yes. Say it. Envy. Absolutely. Being jealous or envious. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Not acknowledging the greatness that is Christ. That was coming back around to you. Yes, my man. Lust. Definitely. So the eyes of the soul. Absolutely. So when, oh, yes, ma'am. Say that again. Using the Lord's name in vain. So our words. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Cheating. Absolutely. Cheating. Absolutely. So when we see, like, when we want to mention sin, we can just start mentioning sin because it's all around us. We see it. We're a victim of it. It's a part of our lives. When we see the tapestry, it is easy for us to see how the tapestry has been completely unraveled in our humanity. So the question is this, okay? The question is, since then, what are the effects? In the Bible, there are four effects of this sin. There's four ways that this disobedience called sin affects your life. Number one, okay, we lost righteousness. And what that means is Adam and Eve knew the right decision. They were told directly, do not eat this fruit. And many of us in life, if you were honest with yourself, and you'll talk about this in your small group tonight, many of you know when you make a decision that's not right for you. You don't need someone else to tell you because God loves you. And God's Holy Spirit will convict you. Like He'll tell you, you don't need someone else to tell you, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have gone to this place, you shouldn't have looked at this thing, you shouldn't have taken this particular thing. You, like You don't need an external person to show you or tell you when you do something wrong. So one of the consequences of this thing called sin is we lose righteousness. We don't do the right thing. See, before sin, we only had right choices. Now with sin, we have more wrong choices than right choices many times. Number two, Another thing was just like I had God standing here with man right next to him. In this sin condition, from Genesis 3, all of humanity is now separated from God. Now let me say this carefully, because I want you to reflect on this today and tomorrow. Tomorrow night, we're going to talk more specifically about this, but one of the major consequences of this disobedience is that we are all born now in this condition with sin. In fact, there's only one person ever born on this planet now without a sin condition. Anybody know who that was? Jesus. Absolutely. Jesus. And so we will obviously be talking about that more tomorrow night. But so number one, we lost righteousness. Number two, we are now as humanity we are way over here separated from God. And the thing is, many people 
are going to live their entire life and never know how to close this gap or how to come back into the right standing with the God who created us. And so tomorrow night, obviously, we'll be talking about that. The third thing is this. We live in an environment, we live in a culture today that is a cursed environment. Now we have sin all around us. That's why people do terrible crimes to each other. That's why we have so many consequences of sin in our world today. And some of you have been a victim of that. Some of you see that. Some of you, we all see the effects of sin. And then fourth, we now have this thing called physical death. We don't know in the garden, in the Garden of Eden, when God created, we don't know Adam and Eve, if they would not have disobeyed God and sin would have never unraveled the kingdom tapestry, Adam and Eve could have potentially lived forever. We don't know that. We won't know that until we get to heaven someday. But what we do know is now, here on this earth, you were born, you're going to have a life that you get to live in obedience or disobedience to God, which is your choice to accept Him and His will and His law for your life, or live independently, flying on your own, out there all by yourself on your own, that's a choice that you get to make. You're going to get to make a choice in life to be a part of the kingdom tapestry and walk with God in this life or to reject the opportunity to be in the kingdom tapestry and live your own life independent on your own. That is a choice that every single one of you gets to make. Your parent can't make that choice for you. Your best friend, your grandparent, no one can decide who God is to you. You get to choose in this kingdom tapestry your level of engagement and participation. You can be a part and an active part of who God is and what He's doing, or you can choose to not be a part of God and what His plan is. So, question, who has sinned? Anybody? Who has sinned? Yeah, I saw your hand first. Yes. Yes. Huh? Lies? Okay, who? Not what? Who? Yes. All. Exactly right. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. So I have good news and bad news. The bad news is, since Adam and Eve, sin entered humanity, and we are all born with a condition called sin. That's bad news. Because what that means is, you were born, and you had nothing to do with this, but you were actually born over here. You were actually born separated from God. Called by God? Yes. Created by God? Yes. Given gifts by God? Yes. Redeemed by God? Yes. An important part of God? Yes. Valuable to God? Yes. Separated from God? Yes. That's where you were born since it all unraveled. The great news is we have the thread in the kingdom tapestry to close that gap and come back into 
right relationship with God, which we will be talking about extensively tomorrow night. Sin is unraveling. How does this affect the state? I'm talking about quick, three quick things as we close, because in your small group things tonight, you can discuss these things. Here's three ways, as a teenager, this unraveling affects you. You could pick 50 ways. You could pick 25 ways. You could pick 100 ways. I'm going to just look at three quick things like how it unraveled and what the Bible says and how I hope maybe it will help you in your discussion and in your life as we go. So as this sin is unraveled, let's look at one area. Number one, idols. Does anybody know in the Old Testament what God had to say about idols? Anybody know what it says? Yes. Don't have any. It says don't create for yourself some kind of idol and go out and bow down and worship it. Because in the Old Testament, they would have these big stones or these big wooden poles, and they would call them Asherah poles or bales, and they would actually go down and they would worship these things, and they would bow down to them, and they would ask these big, you know, big block, granite block of rock, hey, can you make it rain, or can you take away my guilt, or can you, then they would bow down to created things. And God said, hey, I, God, I'm a jealous God, I created you, I don't want you to have any of those idols. Well, today, you probably don't go, you know, outside and worship a tree in your backyard or bow down to, you know, like a swimming pool, but we have all kinds of things in our lives that we spend more time on than maybe our relationship with God. Maybe we spend more time that they are more important to us. So some of these that I put up there, sports, you know, like, is practicing a sport a bad thing? No, not at all. But if you're only living for a sport, and you never read your Bible, or you never go to church, or you never get involved or do other things, and it's just like it's driving your life, then it could become in your life, an idol. Great. If you work so, so hard. Social media. When you're like on your phone, all like, like anything that dominates your thinking and your time could become in your life an area that you struggle with that would unravel and not be best for you. Another thing is words. Words, the words that we say. Did you know that ladies, you guys, on average, speak about 10,000 words a day. 10,000. Gentlemen, you speak about 1,000. That's the average, 1,000. <laughs> wait, 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 wait just a minute. I'm going to come to them in just a minute. Okay, trust me. I got, I got plenty where that's coming from, okay? But what that does mean is if you ask one of these gentlemen, you ask one of you gentlemen like, so how was your day? Well, let's say, if I ask you, how was your day? How was your day? Raise your hand and answer. One of you raise your hand. Yes. Yes. Huh? Decent. Decent, fine, or good. Usually one word. Usually one word. If I ask a very nice, beautiful, incredible young lady, how was your day? Yes, how was your day? It was good. So five, good. Sometimes it would be like, well, it was really good, but this morning I overslept, and then I was a hurry, and then I was trying to brush. Like they might give you like a good description of what happened before breakfast. Okay? So here's the thing. Ladies, when it comes to words in our lives, the Bible says that our mouth, our speech, is an overflow of our heart. 
So if we have a hurt heart, a wounded heart, we're angry, we're bitter, we're resentment, we have things in our heart that aren't good, many times our words also toward others will not be good. Gentlemen, with your 1,000 words, with your 1,000, you use about 700 of them on sarcasm and coarse joking. Okay? Now, while I'm glad that you applauded that, let's actually reflect for just two seconds on what it is we're celebrating. We're celebrating how negative and toxic and poisonous sometimes the words coming out of our mouth can be toward others. I said can be. I didn't say is, all right? So when we talk about this unraveling, when we talk about how our words come unworthy, like we have to be careful. The Bible says we have the power of life and death in our tongue. Like we can give people encouragement. We can give life to people. We can share the gospel with people. But we also can use our words in very hurtful ways. If I ask some of you, like what is one of the most hurtful things that someone has ever said to you, most of you quickly could say who it was, what it was regarding, all that, because our words are super important. So when we talk about this unraveling, we talk about sin, like we could just look at idols. We could look at words. We could look at this area right here, sexual immorality, as you know, okay? And we know in our world today, this is huge. My main man right there, we said, what are the sins? He listed like lush, just like that. Like, it is a thing in our culture. And let me tell you something. I love you guys. I love teenagers. I'm not here to be that guy. I'm just saying it is a dangerous place in our culture where sin is unraveled. This is a good verse for you and your small group. Your small group leaders are going to have it. But 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 21, and it's a part of, of your discussion tonight age appropriately that you guys can talk about. So now, if it's unraveled, then what do we do about it? So how do we overcome it? I'll give you two or three quick things that you can do. Number one, the Bible. The Bible is your best defense in order to walk obediently with God. In fact, it says we demolish arguments and read this, every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. If we want to be a part of the kingdom tapestry, we have to understand how to overcome this sin problem. And the Bible does that for us. It says, we also try up by our testimony, by what God is doing in your life. Your counselors all have incredible stories of faith, how God has reconciled them, how he's delivered them. Like they're gonna be incredible to help you walk through this. And then number two is confession. And we'll talk tomorrow night about we have to acknowledge to God that we are a sinner and that we need help. And number three is prayer. If we're going to overcome this life, I know it should be three. I know, I know, two and two. I know, I know, it happens. See, I'm not perfect. I, I know, should be three. I got you. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you even noticed. That's, that's, that's next level right there. I know, there you go. All right, all right. So so here's the question for tonight, and I'm going to pray. In this unraveling, 
Where are you in your relationship to who God is and who He's created you to be? And I want you to think about that tonight and you're talking about it in your small group because tomorrow night we're going to spend the entire time together talking about how Jesus put this entire thing back together. He took this sin and this unraveling and supernaturally and unbelievably gives us the stability and the foundation and the opportunity in this life to have a successful life, a peaceful life, a loving life toward God and others. And tomorrow night, we're going to stay right here. And we're going to talk about how to eliminate that sin and walk as a part of the kingdom tapestry. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for these incredible students. I thank you for the ways that you're working in their small group times, in their conversations. I thank you for creating us. I thank you for creating us as valuable people in your tapestry. I thank you for giving us gifts and abilities. I thank you for um, never leaving us or forsaking us, which is what your word says. And we thank you most of all that as we look forward to tomorrow night, we can really contemplate in this emptiness. And we can contemplate in this position of stuck in this chaotic place of sin what our options and what our best alternatives are so that we can have a close, walking, active relationship with you, the God of the universe. So prepare our hearts through small groups tonight and tomorrow to really understand how you love us, God, and Jesus, why you are willing to come here and do what you did. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.